0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's sober stories from everyday people. Today I have lovely Lou from pool who's just down the road from me. Hi Lou. Hello. (laughs) She's been sober for one year and 29 days. Um, Lou and I have actually been connected um, on Instagram. We've got a mutual friend so Um, It's really really exciting to have you on the podcast. Um, Thank you for making the time and for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Oh absolute pleasure. Um, So let's get started maybe you could give us a bit of an introduction uh, and tell us a bit about who you are. Okay Um, I'm Lou I'm 41. Um, As you said I live in
1: Poole. I've got two children, two boys um, eight and ten years old, so they are a handful as you can imagine. Um, I'm married, um, I am a police officer, so I've done that for 17 years now, so quite a while. Um, I in spare time, I like going to the gym, running, cycling, I'm quite active. Um, yeah, and I started my journey
0: one year and 29 days ago. For the Um, second or third time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same as me. Uh, I'm sure we'll come on to that as well. So um, can you describe your life with alcohol? What did that look like? Um, So like you, I wasn't an everyday drinker.
1: Um, I could go, sometimes I'd go for a couple of weeks and not drink. So on average, it would be maybe twice a week and I would heavily binge. So any days where I wasn't at work, My rest days, I would, you know, gear up for my rest days. I was very excited about my rest days because then that meant, you know, I could have a bottle of wine or a bottle and a half of wine. Um, And I would always drink way beyond what I should have um, to the point of passing out. Um, Inevitably, my husband would end up having to, you know, he'd come downstairs and see the Trail of Destruction, which was, you know, crisps, chocolate, and all the crap that goes with it and sort of you know have to half undress me and get me into bed um so it was just you know the next days would be shame embarrassment i'm sorry won't do it again until i would do it again the next day or a week later um so yeah and you know i've always been around alcohol my family more drinkers not what I would say, alcoholics, but they're all all heavy drinkers. So it was kind of what I knew, what I grew up with. Um, And believe it or not, I think naturally I'm quite a shy person. So I think when I was a teenager, um, it was my, oh, look at me. I can feel confident and it sort of gave me the balls that I felt like I needed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it just, I think the drinking for me just it just, it had, it's, it had it, its expiration date and I definitely got to that
0: point. Yeah. And so what were the um, signs, if you like, leading up to stopping and yeah, talk through that journey? Because I know you had a, a bout of sobriety, didn't you? And then, yeah. yeah and you mentioned two actually, so I, I, I wasn't aware of the other one, but yeah, talk talk us through that.
1: Yeah, so I had, to, I had two stints of sobriety. Um, I had two stints of six months. And, of course, you get to the, towards the end of those – well, I got to the end of those six months, and I was like, oh, do you know what? I, I can sh- I've shown that I can give up. Look at me. It's been six months. Yeah. Of course I can moderate. I'll switch my wine, and I'll drink spirits instead because, you know, I can put more tonic in my gin. or. But, of course, that never – it never works, as we all know. Um, and I think the thing that just stopped me was I just thought, oh, I'm just not being the best version of myself. Like, um, you know, I felt like my mental health was suffering. I just felt really no work-wise. Work wasn't being effective, but I just don't think I was on the ball as much as I should have and could have been at work. Um, I was pissing off my husband because he was getting fed up with it. Um, and I just I was embarrassed. Like, I would go, you know, there'd be Christmas do's. I'd go out with work and make an absolute ass of myself. And then I, you know, everyone thought it was funny, but it wasn't funny. It was just embarrassing, you know. And drunk people just, it's not a good look, but you think you look great at the time. And yeah. then you look back on photos and think, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I just got fed up with the just, yeah, just feeling. And as you get older, the hangovers, the days long the self-loathing, and I think one quite important part was Alex, my 10-year-old, he saw me drunk one time and said, what's wrong, what's wrong with mummy, and he said it to my husband, and then the next day I spoke to him about it, and he said, you're really weird, you looked like a ghost, you look like you're dead, and I just thought, oh no, I can't, that's it, and that was it for me.
0: Wow yeah mm. that must have been really hard actually um it's really uh, sad yeah it it yeah and also it that, that really amplifies the shame doesn't it when your kids are involved and yeah and I was lucky my children were still quite small when I stopped drinking but I really lived in fear of them seeing me how I saw my own mum who was yeah. a big drinker and yeah. was often drunk and not really understanding. Um, yet when I think about my mum now, that picture in my mind is of her with her eyes half shut, you know, a bit woozy over friendly and then really yeah. grumpy. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's quite frightening. Um, and also you said something there as well. And it, I, I really, um, relate to it and it, it, it was about when you were drinking in these social situations and you just, you thought you, you looked fine. Um, when I went to uh, concerts last week, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of tipsy people, quite drunk, a lot of people my age or our age and older. And I was sober um, and, you know, no judgment here, but I it, it blew my mind how, oh, what's the right word? <laughs> just yeah because I don't, I don't want to be really critical and you know I don't want to be that person but it just blew my mind how wrecked they look and yeah. I thought that I I thought everyone else around me looked the same or that we were all on the same level we were all drinking yeah. to the same so and, and it's not like that actually and right. it, you know when you yeah it just it, it was just very eye-opening for me and it yeah. just really reminded me of that event that I went to last week and it it was quite eye opening for me to see the difference between someone who's quite on their way and just how much they almost sort of stand out against people that aren't drinking—it was yeah. quite mad. So, when did you just talk through the sobriety, um, the bouts of sobriety, if you don't mind? So, did you were they close together those six months, or were they um, over no, a long? I think
1: were. I think they were about three years apart. So okay. my first stint was two thousand and. It might have been two thousand sixteen. I think it was and. I'd, I'd, I'd been to a horrendous job at work and I hadn't dealt with it very well. And, you know, part, part of the job, is you get offered to have to speak to somebody about certain things that you have to go to that could be quite traumatic. Um, and But, you know, I think as the sort of job that I'm in, people are like, oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I'm used to this. I see this stuff all the time. I'm tough. I can deal with it. Mm. But I didn't deal with it. And I think also as well, I would kind of, I was really struggling being a mum. You know, I just I found it hard work. I didn't find it easy,
0: yeah. and I found
1: it with the shifts and just found sometimes I found motherhood to be quite lonely. Yeah. Um, you know, we were kind of me and Tim were passing shifts in the night. You know, we were, we just we were sort of handing over kids at work in the car park, and it was just it was just ridiculous. Um, and I just don't think I was looking after myself and. I decided to get sober that time because I had, and this is so embarrassing. I went to a friend's house for the night. She's my best friend. Um, so, you know, and she knows everything about me, but we went to, I went to hers for the night. So it was my, me, Tim and the boys, and then her husband and her girls went to her house. And I was like, right, well, I'm not going to drink because I'd been, at that point, I'd been put on medication for depression. And I, did, I couldn't bear the thought of not drinking, so I t- I'd taken a bottle of drink with me and I'd hid it, hid it in my bag, up in the spare room. And I was going upstairs and taking swigs out of it, thinking that nobody would know. Yeah. But of course, they knew. Yeah. Because after about an hour, people were like, "What the hell is wrong with her?" Yeah, she's, and she's slaughtered. Drunk. You yeah. know, absolutely slaughtered. And I was, I was so humiliated and embarrassed. Um. So that was my first stint of giving up, mm. and then. We and then I drank then on my Hindu, which was yeah, about six months later, I was like, oh i'm fine i can I can drink,
0: um but Hindus Hindus do I, I did that once and broke sobriety for Hindu. yeah,, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you sorry, so you started drinking back, and then so that was two thousand and sixteen, and then the next one,
1: which I think was, must have been on the lead up to lockdown, um and again, I think I got fed up with the hangovers and stuff there wasn't anything dramatic that happened um but again of course lockdown happened the sun was out and I just thought you know everyone's having their nice time in their gardens and yeah I kind of just well it wasn't anyone else's fault it was just I thought I could I thought I could go back to moderation and of course that didn't happen yeah you know it, it happened for a few weeks and then it just went downhill yeah yeah.
0: It, I, the bit that you said about um, being a new mum, I really, that really resonates with me as well, because I, I remembered feeling, and I have to say this in the right way, because one day my children might listen to this. So girls, if you're listening, I absolutely love you with all my heart. <laughs> but in the beginning, I've, I found it quite sometimes disappointing um, mm. being a mum and it's just such a life. Shift isn't it? I mean I had a a successful job and i I just kind of stopped that overnight and had my first baby and um and i found i I personally found a lot of this sort of baby group and all of that stuff. I found that quite boring um yeah. and but then I was sort of probably socializing with people that that found that really wonderful and I just felt really sort of left out of that I suppose and then I felt shame for that it's like why don't I love this as much as everyone else seems to and then you know being a single parent as well that that really ramped up my stress levels and yeah really impacted my drinking but you know like you say I think as well you know in your line of work you must be exposed to a lot of trauma and that must be really Mm -hmm. difficult to process I mean at the end of the day you are just a human being aren't you it must be really tough so um this time around then so obviously you're just over a year sober which is amazing um what? How did you get sober? How did you get sober this time? And what did you do differently? I suppose from the times before. So, um, my last drinking day was another
1: bloody hen do. Um, I went on a we actually went on. It was a, it was a lovely hen do, and I kind of wish I didn't drink, but it was um, it was a it was a group of people who. I don't think I would spend time with if I was sober, Mm. apart from one girlfriend who I actually randomly, she ended up knowing the hen as well. And that girl I can spend all day with, stone cold sober. But the rest of the group, um, it was kind of a a school mum friend who likes a drink and is a bit, uh, maybe a bit too much for me. But anyway, I, I, I decided I was drinking and... I think I ended up, we ended up, we went on a, on a yacht, but it was moored in Portsmouth and Gunmore Keys, which, and it was beautiful, it was lovely. But I got so slaughtered and I woke up the next day and I just thought, I don't remember half the night. Mm. This is ridiculous. And I, I sort of waited obviously a few hours in the morning. I just could not wait to be all right to drive. And I drove home and I was knackered. I just felt like shit. Um, I went out with the kids. I think I went out down to the park and I just sat there and I thought I can't moderate like I cannot do it I have tried, this is ridiculous you know at the time I was 40 it was like I'm not 20 this is I need to do something about this I'm I'm done with it Um, and I just changed my mindset and just thought right, you cannot drink and if you feel that you're missing out then you shouldn't be doing those things if you feel like you've got to drink to be, you know, because that was what I felt like. I thought, well, I can't not drink because what am I going to do at Christmas? What am I going to do on Hendays? What am I going to do at birthday parties? What am I going to do at barbecues in the summer? Mm. You know, how am I going to cope with that? You know, what am I going to do with, you know, girls night or if someone pissed me off at work and I come home and what am I going to do? How am I going to cope with that or relieve the stress? And I just thought, well... I have to change the way that I think about it and what I do. So if I have to drink to be in those social situations, then I shouldn't go to those social situations because they're not, they're not clearly not something that I enjoy doing,
0: Mm, you know?
1: Um, And I have to do other things that I enjoy doing to relax myself. Like, you know, having a bath, going for a run, going to the gym, reading a book, listening to a podcast, reading, you know, a magazine, anything. And it, and that is what I did differently. And I accepted, finally,
0: that I had to have a, a life without food. Yeah. God, that's so powerful. Um, you might have seen a post, actually, I think it was last week, that I I'd, I'd had that light bulb moment as well, that actually I think the key to cultivating the mindset to go into successful sobriety is really down to that decision to accept that you cannot moderate. Yeah. It's a really, and actually, I don't know how you felt, but I felt quite, I felt really sad about that. And in the beginning, you know, because like you, I just felt like, oh God, now I have to be the different one (laughs) and do all these things in a different way to how everybody around me appears to be doing it, you know, with booze. And poor me, I don't get to do it that way because I can't manage my drink. Yeah. Um and there's some truth isn't there in in that statement that you almost have to grieve that. Yeah, that, absolutely you mourn it. I you completely yeah. do. Yeah. Um but you know that is the key I think that acceptance you know you have tried two times I was the same as you I I did it twice as well to to well to stop and then went back to it thinking well I'm definitely fixed now. <laughs> and obviously that's not the case is it because it's quite for me personally it was alarmingly fast that i fell off that cliff again and before i knew it it was like i really need to try and just stick to one bottle of wine not not two <laughs> mm. you know my my guide to moderation which was one bottle of wine which is ridiculous um yeah, yeah so yeah so that that's that's so such a good tip as well that sort of creating you know, having that shift and trying to create different habits, just trying to create some new habits, just do some different things, yeah. not go to those social situations, because, um, yeah, I think I just I just think that's so powerful. And I think a lot of people will get a lot from that, just that small statement there that the people that you were with sometimes on those nights out are really not actually your people. You have to drink to sort of fit in. And that's yeah. a big indicator, isn't it? That that's not the sort of people that... It's okay when you're 20, like you say, or arguably yeah. when you're early 30s. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I had the same sort of eye-opening moment. I thought, I don't want this in my 40s. I don't want it in my 50s. I don't want to be a 50-year-old drunk, slurring and staggering about yeah. at a music festival. You know, I didn't want that. So um, can you describe what your first... 100 days were like so take your mind back to that oh, first uh, few months you know what
1: it was it was exhausting it was so exhausting because i just i felt sad i felt really sad and i felt yeah. i was licking my wounds like you know i felt like oh my god like you know and I, and i was determined um but it was hard it was really hard um but Um, I set up my I think I saw that you had I think because you put on your other Instagram that you had your sober page and I was like oh what a good idea so then I set mine up um, which was a game changer and I know it sounds ridiculous to people that you know don't have social media but it was a bloody game changer because I could be myself and because you know whilst people at work know that I'm sober they don't know the full ins and outs of it and I don't I don't want to have to tell everybody you know yeah. um so I wanted. I did want to keep it separate um so that was a massive change just being able to speak to other people and thinking shit I'm not I'm not the only person out here that feels like this like I'm not you don't have to reach that rock bottom like you've got to go into rehab and you, you know you've got to have a detox you don't have to do that you you know there are so many different varying degrees and if alcohol is having a negative impact that is it that's it um you know and I'm no better or worse than you know the the drunk on the corner that drinks out of a paper bag we're all the same it's just varying degrees of it um so yeah so I found it really hard to start off with but I like I said I did that and then I, I got the app on my phone which told me sort of how many how many days I was and it was just sort of like I just got to get through one more day just get through the rest of this day and there were some days where I thought oh my god what am I gonna do so I would just I'd, you know go and have a bath mm-hmm. and then and just little things like that and that would relax me and chill me out and then the craving went so it was just riding those waves of craving um and just yeah reaching out to people on instagram because I tried talking to my husband about it. And whilst he tried to be supportive, he just didn't get it. He was like, I don't understand what your problem is. Just don't drink. What's yeah. the issue? And I'm like, no, you, you, you don't get it. You yeah. know, he just did not and still doesn't get it. You know, he's just like, because well, he, he'll drink a bottle of beer and it'll take him about an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, if there was a bottle of wine in the fridge, that'd be in there for a week.
0: Yeah. Just,
1: you know, whereas I'd be like, this is not going to last me more than 10 minutes
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah and and neither will the next nine yeah yeah um it's yeah it's interesting isn't it um because my my husband's the same he doesn't really drink he might have I think he I don't even know if he's had a drink this year yet to be honest he he might have one cider at Christmas or he just doesn't really need it and it's such an enigma really because it's the complete opposite of how I drank I could never drink like that and he he doesn't really get it he really supports it and he's super proud of what I've achieved and he does understand that actually if I was still drinking it probably would be quite shit right now and we'd maybe be fighting it might come you know come into our relationship um, and cause problems so he definitely gets that but um I do think sometimes um and I you know like to talk a lot so I do talk to him a lot about it. <laughs> um, I do think sometimes he feels probably a bit overwhelmed or you know or maybe even overburdened by it because it's just something that he doesn't deeply connect to because he hasn't had that experience and mm-hmm. I think I agree with you like you 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 do need to find people that get it don't you and I think Instagram is such it's just been such a wonderful supportive community that seems to be growing every single day that's yeah. the amazing thing about it and what when how many days were you sober when you set your I remember when you set your page up you know I remember when you set it up and I remember following you and feeling really proud thinking yeah <laughs> I, I remember when you did your must have been your second bout of sobriety because I think we've been connected for maybe four years or something through our friend and I remember when you were sober and then you went back to drinking and then when you got sober again, I just thought, ah, oh, yeah, that's, it really made my day seeing it. So I thought, brilliant. She's, you know, she's sort of back on the bandwagon and yeah, um, yeah maybe this is her time and obviously it was, but what, when, because I was 50 days when I set my sober, anonymous sober up, can you believe? Yeah. But yeah, I was very afraid to share my story back then and I didn't want anyone to know uh, so, so how many days were you sober
1: I think I was I might have been a couple of months I can't remember yeah, sort of similar but, time um, yeah it, it wasn't straight away I think I was sort of lurking from you yes. know, my own my other personal account I was just sort of lurking through and I'd follow a couple of people and then I just thought I felt like I couldn't post anything about sobriety because my normal Friends and followers on my other account just wouldn't have got it, so you know I yeah. thought I saw it. I'm just
0: going to create another account. Yeah, and it's interesting that, isn't it? Because um, I think I follow both of your accounts. I do, don't I? And I think you probably follow both of mine. Yeah, yeah, I do. But I don't. I'm not very sherry about my sobriety on my sort of personal Insta. I still feel a tiny bit weird about that which is funny isn't it because obviously on my on my sober insta and the same for you you it's warts and all it's like all the darkest feelings and experiences and yeah all the darkness is being pushed out there but on my main, on my sort of my personal feed I just, I don't, I'm I'm conscious of, I don't want to be too preachy. I don't want to ram it down people's throats. Most yeah. of my friends still drink and they're still happy drinking. And that's absolutely fine. You know, it's, it's, my sobriety is not meant to change anybody else's relationship with drinking o- only if they're interested and they seek me out for help. But yeah. I'm just, I'm always quite quiet. I only ever post the big milestones on my personal like I'm one year or I'm two years and I always get really positive response actually loads of people support it but just keep it very separate and it's quite yeah I wonder if other people do that I don't know like it's just still something I feel a bit a little bit weird about yeah but yeah so um what was the hardest bit for you getting sober
1: um I think the hardest bit was just the whole mindset and just accepting that I will never drink alcohol again because I cannot. Yeah. Uh, And it was that. Because I think all the other times I'd given up, I think I was just like, oh, you know, in the back of my mind, I never thought it was forever. Yeah. I thought, you know, I'll give up for a bit and just sort of see what happens. Maybe I can just go back to moderating. But this time... It was the whole, no, you cannot touch it like at all. And that, and I just felt I felt really sad. Yeah. Initially. I was like, yeah. well, what am I gonna do? Like, how am I gonna talk to people? Mm. Um, you know, I'm just not gonna be able to enjoy. You know, I, I honestly felt and this sounds awful. I was like, what have I got? I've got nothing without food. <laughs> which is ridiculous but it's just that's the grip that it gets on you know and that's you become it's your it's your crutch it's your you know you think it's your best friend and it's always there for you and it gives you that lovely warm cuddle you know when you've had a shit day Mm. but really I mean it's the devil but yeah so I think that was it it was the acceptance um and just changing my mindset that that was the biggest hurdle for me
0: yeah yeah it's it's crazy isn't it when you look back to how important alcohol was for every situation and then when you begin to strip all that social conditioning away and just all those behaviors that you've grown up with or that you've you know you're surrounded by and that real belief system that drinking means fun and not drinking yeah. means boring and, and all that stuff. It's, it's really eye-opening because it's now I'd look back and I think I just, I just cannot, I almost cannot understand now why anybody would drink alcohol. Like it just gives me nothing. It brings nothing to the table. Like you say, it just makes you um, disconnect. I just think it makes you disconnect, disconnect from yourself, from the situation and people around you. And I just think that it's so clever of the big alcohol companies to convince us <laughs> that alcohol is the best thing since literally sliced bread because it's, yeah. yeah, it doesn't give you anything. But of course, that's very hard to see at first, isn't it? And you do yeah. need combination, I think, of time <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, learning about who you are really inside without the booze and yeah. getting to just actually getting to know and getting to like yourself. Um and yeah, just that personal development work, that education work that you you do when you you know you listen to podcasts or you read the books and you start yeah. to understand that, well, hang on a minute, I'm putting a toxic substance that's also carcinogenic and is a drug and is a sedative into my body. And yeah, why am I doing that? Why do I actually need that? Mm. You know, we just don't ask those questions. I mean, yes, in the sobriety we community we do, but we just don't ask those questions in everyday life. So right. um so flipping that then and seeing the more positive side, what has been the biggest gain in sobriety for you?
1: Um, so I think I'm, this is probably the fittest and healthiest I've been in a long, long time. Um, mentally, I feel like, you know, as stable as I can be, you know. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel happy, Um not as knackered. I mean, I still do shift work, so there's going to be an element of bloody tiredness. Um, just being little things like being able to, if I need to go out in the car at eight, nine o'clock at night, I can, yeah. you know, if I need, if, you know, if my boys have got their friends over and I need to drive them home, mm. it would, before it would have been like, well, no, I, I can't, I can't drop them home because that's going to, that's going to eke into my drinking time.
0: Like, yeah. You know,
1: yes. how dare you? You You know, just little things like that, because it consumed. It was like a timetable. My brain would just be, like, obsessed with figuring out when I could drink, when I could start drinking, when it was acceptable for me to start drinking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just just the freedom of just being able to go out whenever I want, need to, um, you know, not being a grumpy bitch to the kids and to Tim you know, because I'm hungover and I'm tired um, and just not having the shame, not having the shame and embarrassment. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that was that was crushing, you know, because I knew I, oh, God, I just see pictures like after stuff. And it was like, oh, my God, just so bad um and yeah and just just improving like work is going really well um everything I can't think of anything negative in all honesty and just um you just just saying no just spending time with people um that's that's been I know it sounds a bit maybe some people think it's a bit miserable but I think it's a positive thing. I don't want I don't want to spend time with certain people, and I don't want to go and do certain things because I don't I don't enjoy those things, mm. so I'm not going to do them. Yeah, you know, yeah. There'll, be, there'll obviously be certain things that I'll just do because it makes a close friend of mine happy or, or whatever. You know, there's those things that you'll do. You'll compromise, but certain things. I mean, going back to that Hindu I didn't go to their wedding. I yeah. said I made my excuses. You know, in the job that I'm in, I can tell parties, and I can say that I've got to work. Um, yeah. which is what I did because I just thought, I can't. I know what it's gonna be like. It's gonna be an absolute piss up fest, mm. And I was quite early in my sobriety then, maybe two or three months, and I thought, no, not for me. I can't yeah. do it. Um
0: yeah, die, right? yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's one of the things I try to tell people in early sobriety if they message me um, about their social situations or their social calendar in early sobriety. And I say, really, really, really try not to go. <laughs> Don't, you know, you need to create that boundary for yourself. You have to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think, I you know, in the beginning, that there is a big fear around social situations or losing friends or you know, FOMO, you know, missing out. Um, and actually, I think as you get get into more longer term sobriety, so I would say definitely post one year, I think you just start to realize, actually, do you know what it isn't about feeling um, sad that I'm not, you know, maybe going to fit in or get invited, you start to realize, I actually just don't enjoy that actually now and I don't want to go and you have much more power around all of that you feel Mm -hmm. quite I think that's an area that feels like you're quite powerless in the beginning um I'm using AA talk there aren't I powerless but um you know I I I think you do it's it's something that you know I stressed about I was like no one's gonna like me or invite me to stuff and I'm gonna miss out and now I feel like I feel relieved that I don't get certain invites (laughs) now because I don't actually that's not my version of fun anymore you know I I I would much rather get on a paddleboard uh or go for a walk with somebody or maybe have a nice lunch but there's a lot of just like nice outdoory free things that you can do with people and just have nice conversations and stuff you know I, I don't really want to be sitting in a pub or sitting in a bar for sort of hours on end it's just yeah. my whole yeah landscapes changed really on that front so that's some reassurance to the people that are in early sobriety and they're really worrying about that social side of things this will change you but that's a really positive thing don't don't fear that change it is a really good thing um yeah I resonate with everything you say there and it's it's I think that when people talk about the pink cloud, the elusive pink cloud, um, Mm -hmm. I just think that feeling of being really content and like you say, happy and able to, you know, it's not perfect and the emotions can be up and down because life is life, right? And we do get tired and stuff, but it's just, it's infrequent now, whereas it, was you know certain, well for me it was a, a, probably every day I felt that like grumpiness really or at least every other day and not having to build in time I love that like I was exactly like you I just I it was always in my mind right I can drink Wednesday because I'm like I'm doing I'm not doing anything on Thursday morning and maybe I can drink and so yeah. Friday definitely and then actually but I've got that thing on Saturday so I just try not to drink too much on Friday. <laughs> you know it's just exhausting yeah. um, and I you know this weekend my husband and I were driving up to Leicester which is where my family are from. And it's going to be heat wave. And we're thinking, well, maybe rather than come home early Sunday morning and hit all the traffic, you know what it's like getting into Bournemouth. It's horrific. Um, maybe we'll just get in the car at eight or nine o'clock at night on the Saturday night, actually, after the family barbecue, and we'll drive home then. I could never do something like that for yeah. you. ago. Okay. I'd be like, well, no, hang on a minute. That is a ridiculous idea because I would need wine. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. and I'm driving. So, no, I would just – and that would probably create an argument. Because yeah. he'd be like, well, that's ridiculous. But I would need it. Yeah. I would need Definitely. it. Otherwise, I'd have a shit time. Yeah. Uh, so it's just lovely to be, like my new phrase at the moment is time rich. To just, all, all your time is your own, you know. And yeah. you can drive for four hours on a Saturday night um, in the middle of a heat wave because it's the right thing maybe to do time-wise. I, yeah. I, there's no other... um schedule to worry yeah. about other than the baby Absolutely. sleeping yeah so it's sounds cheesy but it's a gift yeah. <laughs> um so what would be your um three tips for getting or staying sober the one thing which we all bleat on about in the sober
1: community is take one day at a time like if you are having a day when you think jesus christ you've got to lock the booze away or you know if you feel like that just get rid of the bloody booze but if you feel like you are really just about to cross that line and have a drink, just go for a walk or just read a book, put a podcast on, phone a mate. You know, if you're not if you're not on Instagram, you haven't got a sober account. Create that. Um, do whatever you need to do to just get through that first day, and then just think, well, I'll get through that day, and I'll get through the next day. Just take. Don't look too far into the future because you can't, yeah. uh, and that will make you feel super stressed out and daunting um the other thing that I would say is the social situations you don't want to go don't go they'll get over it and if they don't get get over it then you know fuck them (laughs) um it's just that's just the way it is you know your your true friends and your family will support your decisions and they will be you know you get sober and you know who your true relationships are um they will be there and they will respect your choice and if they don't, then just whatever. But you have to just be comfortable in that. But you've got to do that for yourself. So just say no to certain social situations. You won't always need to say no, but at the start, it's crucial. You need to be in that safe environment. Yeah. Um, and thirdly, what thirdly, Get take up a hobby, whether it's going for long walks or um, joining a gym Something like that, that, you know, the time that you would spend drinking, go and do something else, something else that you enjoy. Don't just pick something randomly that you think you might like, just whatever it is. I know we're obviously lucky living where we live, but I know, you know, I know, I appreciate that people don't always live near the seaside or near the countryside, but yeah, just find something to occupy yourself, even if it's just sitting there and reading a book for an hour. Just take your mind off it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're absolutely brilliant. <clears throat> really, really good tips. And just in the beginning, that creating that distraction is so vital, isn't it? And and just managing your expectations as well. Just you know, you put the drink down. And but you've you know, you're gonna it's gonna take a while for yeah, you. To you're gonna miss again. it. Yeah, and you're gonna you're have to gonna work through it. things, aren't you? You're gonna have yeah. to work through some stuff. Um, so at the f- sort of first sign of it feeling uncomfortable, just, yeah, do something different. Perfect advice. Distract yourself. Um, and actually, if you are looking for some ideas, I do have resources posted on my website, com slash resources. You'll find a book list there. I think there's about 30 books on there. You'll find TV, um, TV stuff, films that are all related to um alcohol um and yeah podcast lists so there's lots and lots of hopefully ideas to give you yeah just to give you an idea to of what to do in those moments where you're having a bit of a wobble um so if you're open to sharing Lou where can people find you um so my
1: instagram handle is sober Mum uk um so yeah you can find me on there um yeah come and follow I will follow back um there's all sorts of random crap on there. It's mainly sobriety, fitness-related, some swearing and sometimes <laughs> moaning about my children. Um, and that's it. But,
0: it, you know, what you see is what you get. It's, it's a fairly honest account. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. It's a brilliant account. Um, so thank you so much, Lou. It's been amazing. The time has flown. It's just been just a delight to get to know you a bit more. Oh, we definitely. having been- We'd, we need to get a puddleboard session in the diary, yes. you and I. Immediately. Um, yeah, exactly. So let's let's do that. Thanks, everybody. And thank you again, Lou. It's been fab. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, please contact me directly on Instagram by sending a message to at mum. You can also find helpful tools and resources on my website, sassysobermum.com. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to spread the love, please like, share and rate the podcast. I really look forward to next time. See you then.